Hello, my friends. This is Rick Thomas. You're listening to the Life Over Coffee podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. In this podcast, I want to present to you a simple parenting model that you can immediately apply in your home. It flows out of two words in Paul's parenting verse in Ephesians 6, 4. You know the verse more than likely. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Paul is urging dads to bring their children up in, here's the two words, discipline and instruction of the Lord. Discipline and instruction are two different things. Those are not synonyms, but they're two different things. Both of them have equal importance in a child's life. And so in this podcast, I want to take those two words like like two hooks, and I want to hang some ideas on those two hooks, and I trust that the Lord will help you as you think about parenting or as you come alongside those who are working through parenting their children. If you want to read this article, please go to our website. The title of it is A Simple Parenting Model to Use in Your Home. I'm going to jump right into it, but I I need to, I want to share with you a note that I received from Eric. Eric lives in New Mexico, and he accused me of using a cork bat. A person who uses a cork bat in baseball is a person who basically is trying to juice up his game because a cork bat will hit the ball farther than a, a normal standard issue bat. And, and Eric was referencing the recent series of webinars that I have completed. There are six so far. And so we have six one-hour webinars that you can watch visually and of course you can listen to them. We have the audio version of those webinars and so you can do both if you wish. But Eric was saying uh, metaphorically that I was hitting it out of the park. And so Eric, a couple of things. One, I don't use a cork bat. I kind of stunk at sports anyways. It wouldn't matter if I had a cork bat. So, but I don't use one. And then number two, thank you so much for your, uh, thank you for coming on our forums and saying that and just being an encouragement, which is one of your gifts, uh, no question. For those of you who financially support our ministry, as Eric does, and he has been for a long time now, I want you to know that where your financial support is going, and that's why I'm drawing attention to Eric. You are helping him. You're helping him. You're helping his family uh, in New Mexico. He's using our resources and benefiting from them. I would have never known Eric, not on this side of heaven, without uh, without this ministry. And then through this ministry, God has connected us and just did the magical thing. And so now we, our team, gets to benefit Eric or God Uh, is working in Eric's life through our team and you who underwrite this ministry. Well, this wouldn't happen, humanly speaking, without you. And so I wanted to share that story with you and also debunk the notion that I don't use a cork bat. Let's talk about parenting. The title, A Simple Parenting Model to Use in Your Home. I'm taking two words and I want to hang a lot of thoughts on these two words. And the two words are discipline and instruction. And I want to give you some synonyms for those words just to help flesh it out and hopefully bring a little more clarity. And so for discipline, I have added 
some synonyms like structure and authority and warning and admonition, which also means warning, and correction. And so this series of words, this linkage of words that I just shared with you, they're heavy, they're authoritative, and, and they can mean, or, or it's a word cloud around this one word of discipline. And Paul says to, we, we need to bring them up in these heavy words, the discipline of the Lord. But then he also says we need to bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. And so I've added a linkage of words to them or a word cloud surrounding this idea of instruction. And those words are support, encouragement, communication, love, and modeling. And so you can, you can hear that linkage and, and, and realize that these words are really different from discipline, and they are. And that's what I was saying initially. Both of these words work together, but they are two different things having equal importance. And if you do these well, uh, well, then you, you will rear your child in a balanced way, and that's as good as it can get, humanly speaking. Of course, you can err on either side of this. The disciplined person who is just really heavy-handed and authoritative, you're going to hurt your child because it's cruel, it's harsh, it's unkind. But then you can have the, just the instruction side, and it can be weak, and your children will grow to, to disrespect you. And so you want to balance your parenting and discipline and instruction, and the Lord will do that. As children practice submission to God, which is ultimately what you want them to do, you want them to learn how to submit, and so you teach them to submit to you by bringing them up in the discipline and and the instruction of the Lord, and so they can practice that, submitting to God within the family. And the goal is, or the hope is, that they will be willing to submit to the diverse authority structures that will be in their adult lives. And so whether it's a spouse in their future or an employer or going to college or civil authorities or a local church, the hope is they will know how to submit to these authorities, but not just submit, but also to flourish and to be influencers within those contexts and within those hierarchies. And so the way that I would like for you, or at least for you to consider how to think about this idea of structure and support or discipline and instruction is I want you to see them more in a sequence. And so one comes before the other in the parenting of a child. And the reason I say that is because the first half dozen years of a child's life, it requires more discipline than instruction. Now, I am not saying that there will be a time where it'll be devoid of teaching. You'll always be teaching your children along the way. But as far as primary, the first half dozen years will be more about discipline than instruction because there is a limitation with what you can do because the child doesn't have the vocabulary. The child doesn't have the concepts or the theological foundation for you to speak with nuance and in-depth into their lives. They're too young uh, to learn these things, and so therefore the early years is about building a framework, a structure, teaching them about authority, admonition, and correction. And these things, the discipline of the Lord, is of first importance because it sets a foundation. It sets a boundary. It builds parameters. 
for you to come alongside them later to be able to, as you will increase the the teaching when they are older and old enough to understand the teaching. And so you want to teach the obedience first. And your child will respect your discipline because a child respects loving strength and intentional protective care. Isn't this one of the reasons that we love God so much and are willing to submit and obey him because we respect his loving strength and his intentional protective care? Your child, if you model God as a parent, will intuitively learn of your boundless affection because of your corrective shepherding of his soul. You want to lay out guidelines. You want to show that you care, and that is what discipline will do in those early formative years of a child. Look at it the other way. If you do not discipline your child by providing appropriate structures for them to function, they will grow to disrespect you. They will perceive your weakness. In time, they will lose respect for you. Now, please understand, again, when I'm talking about discipline, I'm not talking about heavy-handed authoritarian anger. I'm talking about fatherly corrective care that calibrates the soul in a nurturing environment. There are two ditches here that a parent cannot fall into. One ditch is the heavy-handed authoritarian harsh parent that really just rebukes and corrects out of anger. And the child doesn't experience that nurturing environment. Some people, when they hear the word discipline, that's basically all that they hear. And so they throw discipline out the window as though it's not important. No, discipline is absolutely essential. Did you hear how I described it? I'm describing it this way. Fatherly corrective care that calibrates the soul in a nurturing environment. I am not talking about that other kind of discipline that is harsh and unkind. And so we want to stay out of that ditch, the angry authoritative ditch, but we also have to stay out of the weak ditch as well because both sets of children will grow to disrespect that kind of parent, whether it's the authoritarian, heavy-handed parent or the weak parent that does not incorporate discipline, especially in those early years when they need that primary shaping in their lives. And so one of the ways to think about this as far as how to discipline, one of the things you don't want to do is to nickel and dime your child about everything that they are doing. Now, that's easy to do. When you awake in the morning, these young children are always doing things that are wrong. They, They just... They can't help themselves. That's who they are. And if you're not careful, you'll find yourself nickeling and diming them. You don't want to exasperate them that way, but you do want them to learn discipline. And so the way that we did it, and I'm not saying that you have to do it this way, but I'm just going to give you an illustration to help explain my point. Rather than discipline them for everything that they did wrong, we overlooked a lot, We did not want to micromanage all aspects of their lives. And so what we did is we just picked a couple of non-negotiable things that they could not transgress under any circumstance. That's what we did. And the the two things that we picked, because again, it wasn't so much about the things as it was about teaching them 
discipline. And so the two things that we picked was you, you cannot put your finger in an electrical outlet. Now, that was actually a good one, by the way. And then you cannot pull books from the bottom shelf of the bookshelves. Now, of course, putting something in an electrical outlet, that is a legitimate problem, and I would not recommend that because there are dangerous consequences. Pulling books off the shelf was not as consequential. And so it, was not, it wasn't so much about removing the books, again, as it was teaching them to obey. And why? God wants our hearts before he tells us how to live. Discipline is important. We want them to learn respect and, and honor. We want them to follow and to listen. And then once they have that discipline incorporated in their lives, then you can begin to teach them and they will listen to you. Now, if you don't follow this process, you could be on the fast track to legalism, which is basically just teaching them behavioral behavioristic living that is devoid of the right heart attitude. The early years are really simple. Trust and obey. Trust and obey for there's no other way. And if you do this well, you will prepare the soil of their hearts to listen and learn from you. And so the discipline in the early years, it it needs to be quick and comprehensive and consistent. It doesn't have to consume your entire day. But when you do it, you're not nickel and diming, so you're not doing it throughout the day. But when you do it, those two, three, four things, whatever it is, there's a few things because in both cases, the bigger idea is to teach them to respect and honor you. And the secondary issue is whatever they are doing. It needs to be quick, comprehensive, and consistent. Now, this formative training provides them security within their structure. And that's what you're after. You want to make them feel safe, and you teach them security within boundaries, within guideline, guidelines. One of the blessings of being the father's child is that we live within his structure, within his rules, and it makes us secure because we know what the rules are. You will find perfect and optimal freedom within clearly understood systems. The culture has another concept of this. They believe that freedom is, is the ability to do anything that you want to, whenever you want to, with no one ever telling you what to do. That does not lead to, to, the, to, what, to the result that you want. It leads to chaos is what it does. A train will run at its most incredible efficiency when working within the structure of the tracks. If you remove the rails, its potential power devolves into impotence. A child working within a consistent system, which is what discipline brings to that child's heart, they will find their greatest freedom and the ability to perform to their fullest capacity. Without a consistent, careful, and compassionate structure, for those of you strong-handed authoritative types, they will grow in dysfunction. Now, while you don't want to neglect a teaching moment, you want to make sure you are teaching obedient hearts. And so as your child does grow theologically and psychologically, you begin to increase your life application training. You begin to increase your instruction and your teaching. So you have built the framework, the discipline, the structure. And then as they grow older, you begin to intensify the teaching. Now this next season, it's really more time consuming. 
While it can be quick and easy to discipline a child, it is rarely quick or easy to teach them. Your goal is to release them to God's authority. That's really what you're after. And so as you back off with the discipline, and as they live within, it's almost like you put them within a box and you teach them how to live a disciplined, obedient life, and then you remove the framework and they continue to live a disciplined and obedient life. And so they're not expanding outward and transgressing and becoming disobedient, but they're growing upward now that the framework is set. They're growing upward and now you are in instructing them as they're maturing upward. And the goal is, is that you can release them into God's authority and you can do this with gladness and joy and humility if you intentionally train while incrementally releasing them to practice the training. Now, they're going to fail at times, and that's what you want. I've always wanted our children to fail inside the family dynamic than every day and every moment of the day being a success for them, which really means there are no challenges for them because there's no failure. And so as they, as they fail, they learn how to work through failure while in the family dynamic, knowing that they're going to fail in life. And so hopefully when they step into those adult moments, they have already been there and done that as far as failure is concerned, and they know how to humbly submit to God, get up from their failures, and move on. Now, this idea that I just laid out for you, I think, is an excellent parenting model. Heavy discipline on the front end where you're building the framework of obedience and then intensified teaching and instruction as they grow before they leave the home. And that is a balanced approach where you're backing off the discipline You don't want to be heavy-handed discipline in a 15-year-old who's trying to become an adult. If you're still disciplining heavy-handed your child at 15, well, then your parenting model has been off all along. By that time, you should be able to release them on the discipline side much, not completely, but a lot, and then continue to instruct them so that they can grow up within that discipline structure that has been created years before. And so this model of structure in the beginning and support uh, in the end, there are also bad versions of it. And I want to share with you as I finish the podcast four bad ways of discipline and instruction in the Lord. And so I want to give you four bad models. The first model is the legalistic model. And then I'll talk about the licentious model. And then I'll talk about the knee-jerk model. And then the fourth one is the inconsistent model. These are four bad models of what I just described with a more balanced model of discipline on the front end primarily and then instruction on the back end primarily. All right, so the legalistic model. Legalistic parents have a skewed view of worldliness. They struggle with this idea of worldliness. They come from a Gnostic perspective, a teaching that it just says that the world is evil, the world is terrible, and we must stay away from the world. And so they separate their children from the world because they have a bad view of, they don't understand what worldliness is. 
they, they don't see worldliness primarily in the heart. They see worldliness is out there in the world. And so what a legalistic parent will do is that they will teach their kids an excessive amount of rules so that they stay away from the world. And I put the world in quotation marks because the world is in their hearts. And so they set up boundaries and hedges and separation, and they use rules to do that. So it's very heavy on the authoritative side. Movies are wrong. Certain clothing styles are bad. Certain music is terrible. Certain people are evil, etc. And there's a long list of rules. It is a negative center fear-motivated parenting model. They place their children under a yoke of rules, and they do not teach them how to interact, how to intersect, how to engage the real world. This kind of top-down authoritarian model frustrates children as they become teenagers. And too often, these kids become angry adults who do not know how to live in God's world because they were never taught instruction. It was just discipline, 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 legalism, 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 and legalism. And typically, they will jump from the ditch of legalism into the ditch of licentiousness when they become older. The bondage of rules they lived under had a pressing down and controlling effect that eventually launched them into the world as though someone shot them out of a cannon. That's the legalistic model, not a good one. And then you have the licentious model. These are the spoiled rotten kids. The parents cater to them by never saying no to them. It's the counting mom. Don't make me count to three. One. Well, you know how that goes. And so does the kid. The kid knows it's just a thing, she says, that has no meaning other than she's mad. He endures her anger and eventually gets what he wants. Oddly enough, many of these parents come from a legalistic parenting model. It's the legalistic kid who grows up and just has a disdain for legalism, and so he jumps into the other ditch and parents his or her children in a licentious way. They resent how their parents reared them. But rather than parenting, them, parenting a child biblically, they acquiesce by giving in to the sinful hearts of their children. Most of the time, the dad has his head buried in the sand or is preoccupied with other things if he is in the home at all. And so the heavy lifting of the parenting is on the mom, and she can't spin all the plates, and the child knows she has no support, and eventually she will cave, and you have a licentious kid. The mother knows it's not worth dying on every hill, so she incrementally gives more ground until the child is thoroughly spoiled and in control. Ironically, this spoiled child ends up in the same lousy environment as the angry legalistic kid. The spoiled kid has always been selfish and indulgent, while the legalistic child has no clue how to live in the world and feels somewhat entitled to splurge in indulgence. And so the second bad model is the licentious model. And then you have the knee-jerk model. Typically, these are legalistic parents who overcorrect. They realize what they have been doing wrong with their heavy-handed rules. They know now that that was a mistake, 
and now their kids are teenagers. They're in midstream, and they make a midstream change in parenting. And it typically happens when a legalist begins to understand the doctrines of grace. They have a moment of clarity and realize how rigid rules debilitated a child's life. Thus, the parent knee-jerks. Rather than making a sober and slow course correction, they give in too much. They turn grace into an anything-goes worldview. This is the knee-jerk model is jumping from the ditch of legalism to the ditch of licentiousness is happening in real time during the parenting model. It's not unusual for these parents to go through guilt motivation motivation because of all the rigid rules and harsh bondage they placed on their kids. And rather than parenting them biblically, they feel that it would somehow make up for their mistakes if they go the extra mile by catering to them. Guilt-motivated parenting at this point because now they're knee-jerking from legalism to a sloppy grace. Of course, there is another kind of knee-jerk response. That's when the licentious parent realizes they have been spoiling their children, and now their children are 15 and they're wild. And rather than responding biblically, they crack down on the rules, and the kids react in anger. These children were flying high, wide, and far. Now rule bondage is pressing them into a harsh yoke, which fosters anger toward the parents and resentment toward God. Overcorrection from legalism to licentiousness or overcorrection from licentiousness to legalism has the same effect. It exasperates the child, and the children rebel. And so you have the legalistic model, heavy-handed rules all the way through, the licentious model, spoiling the kids all the way through, the knee-jerk model, where they, they jump from one ditch to the other, and then you have the inconsistent model. These are the parents who are totally into themselves. They parent from a matter of convenience and preference and selfishness. To say it another way, they they do not want to be inconvenienced or have to do hard things. If they're in a good mood, they may give the child whatever he wants. If they're in a bad mood, the child will be vulnerable to their indiscriminate punishments. The child never knows what he is going to get on any given day. He sees his parents as idiots who don't have a clue and they don't care about him. He soon returns the favor by dismissing them for more reliable, loving, but morally wrong friends. God is not like any of these parents. His immutability is one of the many reasons we love him so much. He doesn't change. All of these ill-advised models motivate children to find security through other means, through other people, through other associations. The support and structure model is the, the model that I described in the beginning, where the structure that you provide for them is what they need, and it gives them a framework to operate throughout their lives. And then as you continue to release that structure, because they have learned to live within it, you increase the teaching And then as teenagers, they experience more and more freedom so that they can step into God's world and live for his fame as adults. The title of this podcast is A Simple Parenting Model to Use in Your Home.
I do have a call to action part at the end. I have some questions that I would love for you to interact with and maybe interact with a friend. Some parents will be listening to this podcast and just feel awful because they realize that they have not done the best job that they possibly could have done and they see themselves as failures. Well, question number four, or yeah, question number four here, I have a couple of articles that are linked. I want you uh, to read these two articles or listen to the two podcasts that go with them because you can't live in that I have failed mindset because you will respond wrong uh, to your children. You will think wrongly about God and you'll be setting yourself up for some temptations that are unnecessary. And so I have some help for you if you're feeling like a failure right now. I also have a 10-minute video inside this article that I just shared with you. Please watch it. And there is also an infographic. I do want to call attention to a note that just came in as I was doing this podcast from Jennifer. She says she watched a video on borderline personality disorder, and she says that as she watched it, she said, I really appreciate the biblical perspective. She says, as far as I know, Rick and Daniel are the only people providing a different way to look at these relational issues, so thank you. I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure other people look at these issues similar to us, but Jennifer, I do get your point, and I appreciate your gratitude, and I did pass your note along to Daniel, because I wanted him to be encouraged by it as well, and I want our community, especially those who support us, to hear those things, and I want you to know that as a financial partner, you're helping many people, and so I just wanted to say thank you so much. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.